The prophet encounters opposition as he boldly proclaims God's truth. His vindication is found through remaining steadfast in his calling. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Will he contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me, who will declare me guilty. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed for this morning is a partial reading of Psalm 31. Please stand as you are able and sing. It begins on page 4 of the service leaflet. He is the incarnate word. Jesus freely humbled himself, living a life of service. His obedience to his Father, even unto death, is the reason for his exaltation in heaven. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's churches. You may be seated for the first part of the reading of the Passion. If you have one of the Passion reading cards with the part highlighted, please read those when we get to that point. Um, All of us read together those parts marked congregation. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be distressed and agitated, and said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you awake? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come to the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough! The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, and with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, So when he came, he went up to him at once and said, and kissed him. Then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed them at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. 
Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent and did not answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. The guards also took him over and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. And he went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed, and the servant girl, on seeing him, began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. Then after a little while, the bystanders said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment the cock crowed for a second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You say so. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? Crucify him. But they shouted all the more. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole cohort. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began saluting him. Hail, King of the Jews. They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. 
After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Would you please stand? Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Ah, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now, so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. These used to follow him and provide for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem When evening had come, since it was the day of the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, He granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone against the door of the tomb. Please be seated. There's a paradox about today between fullness and emptiness. Fullness because the first thing that we did when you showed up here today is we loaded you down with stuff. 
gave you a, a um, service leaflet tucked inside of which you would find the passion narrative and all that other stuff that has to do with my visitation here with you today. Then we gave you a palm frond. Not too bad so far, unless you have a child's hand to hold while you're coming in. And then there's the movement back and forth between all the various and sundry uh, leaflets that you do have. Just be glad that you didn't have to deal with a prayer book and a hymnal also, which most Episcopalians get to do. And count your blessings as you don't have to deal with a pastoral staff and a bonnet. More things that I had to be loaded down with. So on the one hand, there is this fullness. But the key word for today is emptiness. As in this dramatic emptying of Jesus that we just heard, just participated in. As in that glorious hymn of Jesus' self-emptying that composes the larger part of the Philippians reading today. Jesus is emptied of dignity, is emptied of control over what happens next. He is emptied of his life force. He is emptied, drained of his life's blood. Jesus, though God, emptied self and became human. And became a bondservant, a slave, sings Paul in that reading today, for which he is forgiven many offenses, in my opinion. That beautiful poetry that we have in Philippians. And Jesus even emptied himself of the human life, which was God's gift to him to bear. Great gift human life is. It was an emptying that people just like us inflicted on Jesus in order to shame him. But Jesus took the shaming for glory instead. You know, the way of the one true human in whom we know the one true God, it just perplexes us. We don't understand what he's up to at, at many turns because this emptiness business, we think that full is good and that it's the full thing that must be the divine thing. But emptiness? We think about the goodness of having full gas tanks and full bank accounts and full bellies and closets full of clothes. And yet at the same time we recognize just how absurd is the guy who is just so full of himself. Jesus is never full of himself. 
They put him on a donkey, for goodness sake, and he looked good doing it. I have ridden donkeys. It's nothing to brag about. Donkeys are ridiculous, practical, cranky beasts. And one is prone to look ridiculous riding on one of them. Jesus was not too good to climb onto a donkey that day that he went into the holy city, Jerusalem. Now, the glutted life, the overfull life, this culture of ours understands pretty well. But emptying is hard. Emptying is hard. The glutted life, by the way, may be what has gotten us into a lot of trouble as an economy over these past few months. But emptying out is hard. I think we do well to realize, however, that the glutted life, so apparent and so desired, by everyone, everything around us, just doesn't make people happy. There is a sweet spot for emptiness that may be hard for us to recognize. It's the possibility of that sweet spot that the cross invites us into. Getting to that place requires courage and it requires faith. I imagine that we know intuitively that the way of Jesus really is the right way. We just can't box ourselves out of all the everydayness of living. But no one says... No one says this. You know, my life really would be a lot better if I had more stuff. We recognize intuitively, begrudgingly sometimes, that that really is the case. But finding the courage, finding the the wherewithal to get to that place, ah, that's the challenge. And it's hard. And it's not even very American. So if you engage in this worthwhile project, you will be doing something that is countercultural. The Queen of England has always looked good on horseback. She was born to it. She has the DNA for looking good on a horse. doesn't hurt that she has all those wonderful bloodlines available to her in her stables. Rather easier to look good when you're not riding the old gray mare. But that's not what following Jesus is about. Following Jesus means that there is none of us too good to get onto a donkey. And that there is a certain pleasure in learning to look good in doing that. Developing 
a savoir-faire about donkey riding. It's hard to look good on a beast like that, but there's the invitation to us. And there's the victory. Someone may try to shame you by putting you on the likes of a donkey. But you hold the trump card every time that people try to shame you. Put me on a donkey, and I know how to look good in that ridiculous place. We have it in us because of what Christ has won for us on the cross, the ability to turn shame into glory. And they may kill us as they killed Jesus. People just like us killed Jesus. They may flat out kill us. And even then, that's not the end of the story. They may try to shame us by killing us. Sometimes just bit by bit. A hundred thousand duck bites that will each one feel like a little death. But it doesn't have to be that way because Christ's is the victory, which is what is given over to us during the mysteries of Holy Week, where once again we are reminded of life and death and the glorious new life of resurrection. Not just to learn about it, but to experience anew these eternal truths and graces that God has given to us. Amen.